gates of pearl, walls of jasper, streets of gold. Thank the Lord, ain't nothing going to be more prettier than him. Amen? That's when I shot them off. Finally, our faith will be silent. I'm thankful for that. Would you open your precious Bible this evening to 1 Samuel chapter number 21? And we're going to continue this thought. Tonight, that we started yesterday, or started this morning, and uh, we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 21, and we're going to finish out this chapter tonight, and here's the message, feelings are faith. Feelings are faith. Now, we've already read the first part of chapter 21, where David, uh, because of chapter 20, and we're going to look at that in just a moment, but because I believe of the events in chapter 20 and all of the events even prior to that, it had got David in a place that is very normal. Uh, when we think about this, very human, humanly speaking, uh, he had feelings, uh, circumstances was happening, and they seemed very unfair. And we're going to read a little bit more about that in chapter 20. But we see in this morning that he, so he, he fled after Jonathan warned him and says, no, my father is going to kill you. So the ups and downs, the roller coasters of life is taking place. And finally, David says, look, I'm going to flee. And so he went to the priest and he went to Elimelech. And we find because of his feelings of despair, his feelings of fear, his feelings of hurt, uh, they, they were starting to dictate his life. It put him in a place to do things that he normally wouldn't have done. And we see in chapter 21, he, he lied to the priest twice. Then the Bible also said that he started asking for things that he normally wouldn't have asked. And when we let our feelings and our fear and, and our flesh dictate our life, uh, we start doing things we never dreamed we would do. And then we see that not only that, he asked for a sword. He asked for a weapon. This is the same man that had went and fought Goliath with no weapons, no armor at all, save five sm smooth stones and a sling. And then we see that he was a man of despair. He said, look, I'm about to starve here. And this didn't look like no king. This didn't look like uh, the man after God's own heart. This certainly didn't look like the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now we know that's who David was, but we see because he yielded to his feelings, he yielded to his fear, he yielded to his flesh, this is where he got. And by the way, if that yielding to his flesh and his fear and his feelings will lead David here, I'll tell you this, it will lead us there too. So he lied, he, he asked for things, and then he let his guard down. Doeg was there, and we read all of that this morning. Now, that was bad, but wait a minute, it gets worse. So let's begin reading in verse number 10. Now he flees from lying to the priest, getting the showbread, eating the showbread, getting the sword. Now, notice very clearly in verse 10, and David arose, notice this, and fled that day for what? Fear of Saul. And went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now hold on just a minute. Let's stop just a second. Let's put this into context. He was the very man that stood before Saul that was scared of Goliath. The king Saul was scared of Goliath. David was not scared of Goliath, but now he's scared of the man that was scared of Goliath. Did y'all catch that? Look at verse 11. And the servants of Achish 
said in him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them. Now, here, here, this is unbelievable to me. And feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see the man is mad, wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So we know what happened. They kicked him out. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us speak to us. Lord, I pray you'll help us to be attentive tonight. Lord, I pray you'll help, help us to be spiritually minded. To realize this is serious. And we'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I, I want to say again, I believe the key of all of this is the crescendo of that is chapter 20. Verse 1. I believe. I, I want you to notice with me. Chapter 20. David is... A shepherd boy, minding his own business, God chooses him out of everyone in Israel to be the next king. Samuel goes there and anoints him. As soon as he anoints him, we know that there is a giant, Goliath, that is defying the God of Israel. And just happenstance, and of course we know it's the providence of God... David went just obeying the authority in his life. He went to go feed and help and encourage his brothers. And he learns that there is a Goliath of Gath that is defying the armies of Israel. No one will fight him. So he does the right thing, puts faith in God, goes and kills Goliath. And then the moment he kills Goliath, Saul brings for him to come to his place and to soothe him, to use his skill as a harpist. The Bible says that he behaved himself wisely. Jonathan became great friends with him. Also, uh, David, uh, Mary Saul's child, uh, daughter, uh, also he plays for... But what happens is they come... Then he puts him over the head of the warriors, and he goes out and he kills Philistines. And then Saul hears the song sung about David. And David's life changes forever because Saul now is jealous of him. He takes, uh, jealousy overtakes him. And so we find that on two different occasions, Saul tries to kill him with a javelin. So in chapter 20, David is convinced that that Saul's trying to kill him. But Jonathan is trying to convince David, no, he's just upset. He really doesn't know what he's going to do. Jonathan even told him here in chapter 20 that my father's not really going to kill you. But David says, no, he really is. So Jonathan says, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to create this plan. I'm going to find out the heart of my father. I'm going to give you a signal with an arrow. And I want you to know if I shoot an arrow a certain way, then you're going to know that, yes, my father wants to kill you. So all of this is going on in David's life. It seems unfair. It seems 
To me, very humanly speaking, in chapter 20, verse 1, we would all come to this place, and we all have come to this place before. But in verse 1, David says in chapter 20, And David fled from Naoth and Ramah, and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? He says, what have I done to deserve this? Why is your father trying to kill me? I've tried to serve him. I have went out and killed Philistines for him. I have behaved myself wisely for him. I have done no mischief to him. Why is this happening? Why is your father trying to kill me? I don't know about you. That would be discouraging. Especially when you're doing right. And so we ask the question, why did David end up in chapter 21 lying twice to a priest, eating the showbread which he shouldn't have ate, and then putting Elimelech and all of his family in danger with Doeg? What caused all of that? I believe circumstances caused David to bring him to a place of where he started to let his feelings of fear, of unfairness, of anger, of hurt, just things of life, his feelings in his flesh to overcome him. And by the way, if they can overcome him, they can overcome us. And so I just simply said, is it going to be feelings or faith? David should have been trusting the Lord. By the way, he was in worse situations than now. When he was watching the sheep, the Bible said that a lion and a bear came. I don't know about you, but if anybody's going to be afraid, I'd be afraid of a bear and a lion coming trying to talk my sheep. But yet by faith, he fought the, the, the lion and the bear. Then it took great faith to go out and fight a giant with no armor, no weapons, but a sling. This is the same man now that looks like he is scared to death. Why? He's let his feelings and his flesh dictate his life. It's very, very simple and easy to do. But what about faith? The Bible tells us that faith overcomes the world. Faith is the victory. We must trust the Lord even when we don't feel like trusting the Lord. I'm sure David didn't feel like trusting him like many times we have it. When we get bad news, when we're frustrated, when we're at wit's end, when we don't understand what's going on, we come to the same place and say, What Lord now? And it causes so many to become in despair. But I want to say, even in those moments that you feel like despairing, just trust anyway. Remember, David was given promises. God had done anointing him king. Oh, how quickly we forget the promises of God were in the storms of life. I want to say it again. Oh, how quickly it is that we can forget the promises of God when we're in the storms of life. Oh, how quickly that we seem to forget the promises of God when it's dark outside. And that's exactly what happened with David. And so it caused him to do some things. What did these feelings overtaking his life, this flesh overtaking his life? Well, we know it. it, it, he lied. He made decisions that he normally wouldn't have made. Then he, he let his guard down. And by the way, that's the way it always works. But I want to close tonight. I want to quickly just talk to you about part two of feelings of faith. Now it's gotten from bad to worse. 
David should have been yielding to the Spirit. He should have been trusting the Lord. But we see David here, to be honest, can't even imagine this is David. Now, quickly, David had already been anointed as king, but instead of being the acting king, he's going to become a fugitive. He, we're now reading about a fugitive, and for the next several chapters, we're going to read about David the fugitive. But I want you to notice now where his feelings, he's allowed his feelings of his fear and his hurt, his anger, his confusion. Now it's leading to this, compromise. And it's going to end up with shame and humiliation. And by the way, that's normally how it works in our life too. So I want to say David was on his way to the bottom. He's not there yet, but he's heading there. Fear drove him to go to Nob. Fear drove him to lie to the priest. Uh, it, 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 fear and feelings drove him to take of the showbread, to get the weapon of Goliath. He's doing the strangest things that he's done up to this point that we've read. But if, not, if we're not careful, we will compromise just like he did things that we never thought we would compromise. We'll be in a position we never thought when we yield or we trust our feelings. Listen to me, compromise will cause some things and it certainly calls some things here. Number one, I want you to notice this feelings of fear and hurt and letting them dictate his flesh, his life. Listen to me, it calls him in verse 10 to live with the enemy. Now, did y'all catch that in verse 10? And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, y'all help me here, all you Bible scholars. Where have we heard of Gath before? Whose hometown was Gath? Goliath. Goliath. If you would have told me if there was anybody in the Bible that would have run off to the enemy's camp and the person that just killed their champion, I would have never said to you in their right mind, it would be David. But see, when you go down this path, it doesn't matter who you are. When you start letting your feelings, your flesh, your compromise in your life and starting to compromise. You let those feelings dictate instead of trusting the Lord and living by the principles and the promises of God. And I promise you compromise will ensue and compromise will cost. What did it cost? We live with the enemy. David went to Gath. Of all places. Gath. The enemy's town. The hometown of their champion that he slew. Amazes me. Now, think about it. David fled for refuge. Because it said very clearly he fled why? He was afraid of Saul. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why he fled there. But, I mean, to be honest, I mean, we can put a couple things together. I'll just give you a couple of my guesses. And I'm not saying, but I'm talking about humanly speaking why would he go to Gath? Well, number one, first of all, just using common sense, he obviously knew that Saul would never look for him there. And the Bible said, I mean, let's just use you know common sense. What's that uh, that old that old board game? Clue. Y'all ever played Clue? A little bit of common sense, you know. Once you start whittling things away, well, it must be the. With the pipe in the what? Dining area. 
You whittle things away. And the Bible doesn't have to tell us this, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist. David could have went to Gath because he said, you know what? Saul would never look for me there. I promise you, I would look for him there. Especially if I knew he was the one that killed their warrior. But I think this interesting. What did he just pick up from Elimelech? What did he just ask for for the priest? You got a weapon? Yes, we happen to have the very sword of the giant, the champion that you killed. I don't know about this, but this is interesting to me. It's awful funny. After he got the Philistine, Goliath's sword, that's where he went. You know what I think? Maybe the sword triggered something in him. That should have been the last place David went. And here's what's amazing to me. It amazes me. And by the way, if you've never been here, you can get here. When you start letting your feelings and your selfishness and your flesh dictate your life, you start even looking back at your past victories and think they're not that big of a deal. You really don't really see the victories in your life. You just let things trigger you to give you more of a reason to do the wrong thing. And I'm going to be honest with you. I believe right here, if we're not careful, we'll make good things bad and we'll make bad things worse. Y'all get that? When we let our feelings, when we let our flesh, when we get to a place of where we disregard faith and we start putting all of our, all of our eggs and our feelings and the way we feel and what's fair and I don't understand this and we have all of this flesh that we're letting dictate our life, we'll even look back at our life and not even recognize the victories that God has given us. The defeat of Goliath was a great victory, but I am sure David was so upset, he was so angry, he was so confused, he was even questioning the victories in his life. I'm going to tell you right now, when you let feelings, when you let fear, when you let your flesh dictate your life instead of faith, I'm going to tell you something right now. Y'all mark her down. You will make decisions that are so unlike you. And people are going to look back and say, they're going to stand back and say, oh my goodness, is that so and so? What are they doing? That's not them. If you would have told me anybody who went to Gath in fear of his life, I, you could have gave me 30 guesses. If I didn't know the Bible, I'd have never said David. See, when we let our feelings and our flesh dictate our life, listen, it will put us in places that we should never be. David had no business being here living with the enemy. He had no business being living with the enemy. I want you to know something. Nothing good will come when you live with the enemy. Amen, Pastor. Oh, we'll have excuses for it. Oh, well, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, sometimes common sense tells you better. You know, we live in a day now where people want to make excuses to do the wrong thing and they say the Bible don't have anything to say about it or they want to disprove things. You know, one of the big topics today is alcohol. Well, let me give y'all some common sense on alcohol. When I was a young preacher, I had a really good friend that grew up in church side by side with me. 
he went to camp. And I've been thinking about him a lot this week because of camp. I was there when Stephen Pilkington came forward. Actually, at the camp that we grew up in, the children's camp, they didn't give an invitation. They made you stay behind after the service because there was going to be games, there was going to be things to play, and there was going to be all this stuff. And so they knew if a young person really got convicted of sin, if they stayed behind to talk about salvation, they knew they meant something. And I was there that night. I'll never forget it. Stephen Pilkington came up to me and said, Mark, I'm staying behind because I don't know if I'm saved. Now, Stephen Pilkington was my pastor's son, and we were together. If there was a camp, he and I were there. If there was a youth thing going on, he and I were there. Me and him was there on Wednesday night when there wasn't any other boys there. And Stephen got out away from the Lord, and he got involved in things. He moved. He finally got so bad at Hinton that he had to move out of town, and he got hooked on alcohol. He got so bad, the group that he was involved in, he was a very talented guitar player, the rock group kicked him out of the band. Because the alcohol had consumed his life. And so he leaves the band, he gets into depression, he struggles with all of these things. And at 33, I buried my friend. And here's what's amazing to me. He got a second chance. Sometime earlier that year, he had gotten so drunk, got so sick, they took him to Chicago Hospital. His kidneys shut down on him. And the doctor from Rockingham, everybody started praying. And they told him, said, look, Stephen, and, he, and he, by the way, he wasn't a candidate for a transplant because he had drunk them. They wouldn't give him a transplant because he said, you've ruined your kidneys by your own choice. And they, that doctor told him, he said, we don't think your kidneys will come back. Your organs probably won't come back. But if they do, if you ever drink again, it's going to kill you. Guess what? Miraculously, isn't it right, Mom? His kidneys started functioning again. He came home. His mother was dying. His father was so glad he was there. Stephen was helping around the house. He had made a decision to go back up to Chicago. His father gave him a little bit of money. Go back up to Chicago. Your mother and I can use you. You can help us. Stephen gets in his car. His father gave him a little bit of money to go up to get his stuff to come back to Hinton from Chicago. He never made it home. On the way to Chicago, he stopped off at a hotel and he went and bought a bunch of liquor and he started to drink it. His sister was a nurse. He called her from the hotel and said, Joy, I am sick. I am, I'm not trying to be ugly tonight. He said, but I'm throwing up straight blood. She said, Stephen, you've got to call 911. He died alone in the emergency room of Chicago Hospital. You say to me, Pastor, you hate alcohol? I hate it. Amen. See, everybody that wants to make excuses for those things, they never dream that they'll get in a car and drive down the road, should not be driving while they're, and kill somebody else. That's common sense. That has nothing to do with this. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get to a place of where you are letting your feelings your flesh dictate your decisions, it will put you in a place that you never dreamed that it would put you. 
David was a man after God's own heart. But David's in a place that he shouldn't be. David's doing things he shouldn't be doing. Number two, not only did he live with the enemy, but number two, he disobeyed the Lord. David went to Gath. That's Goliath's people. By the way, the Philistines was the enemies of God. Do y'all know who our enemy is? The devil. But do you know the world? The world is not our friend. And what I mean by that, the world system, the world's philosophy. The Bible very clearly no one, common sense tells you David had no business going to the Philistines. These are the same people that he went and killed for to get his wife. Anybody with common sense would know you don't go to a bad place. But see, when we're letting our fears, we're letting our feelings, we're letting our flesh, we're letting the circumstances of life, when we start letting our guard down and we don't live by faith and we start letting our feelings control us, I'm going to tell you something right now. It will be easier and easier to say no to God and yes to the world. It will be easier to what we used to say no to. Now, well, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. I don't want to keep belaboring the point. But I can't help it. That's why I'm so passionate about the camp. Camp's special. There's something special about camp. When young people can get away and, and just feed on the Word of God for a week, it's an amazing thing. And, and again, I've been thinking about Stephen this whole week, and I thought, what if, what if, what if, what if he would have responded in faith instead of, by the way, can I be, can I be straight with y'all? Stephen wasn't treated real fair. So, well, Pastor, how do you know? I was there. Do you know what? And I want to say this. I thank y'all. I thank this church. Y'all know what? Y'all have treated my children fair. You've treated my children fair, and I appreciate it. Because I'm going to tell y'all right now, there's a whole lot of churches, they don't treat the pastor's children fair. He wasn't always treated fair. I'm going to be honest with you. They had it out for Stephen just because many times... I'm, I'm sad to tell you all this. He was the pastor's kid. So I'm all right, yeah. And I know he struggled with a lot of things. And I never thought a whole lot about it growing up. But now that I've gotten older and become a pastor, boy, I've looked back and I see there was so many mistakes that was made towards that young man's life. Good people and the way they did and things they said and the way they treated him. I'm going to be honest with you. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. There was no wisdom involved in that. I remember one of the situations that we had went to a, a teen outing. And, um, and I'm bringing this out for a reason. I'm not just trying to make y'all feel sorry for Stephen. I'm trying to make a point. I remember we went to a teen. We used to have a, a fall getaway with teenagers and a spring getaway for teens. And 
Stephen might have been listening to a little bit of the wrong kind of music. And it was a rule. It was a rule that they wasn't supposed to have. But out of all those kids that was listening to the wrong movie, that night they found the music that Stephen shouldn't have been listening to and they drove him all the way back three hours home. Before the spiritual meetings ever took place, they drove him all the way back home. And I've thought since then, dear God, why didn't somebody have some wisdom? The thing that he needed the most was taken from him as a punishment. That's why no parent should ever punish their child with spiritual things. The only hope that our young people have is the Word of God and to feed on the Word of God and the wisdom of God by the people of God. Let's be wise in these days. But I've often thought, how many, what if, what if, if Stephen would have, would have, instead of his feelings, he would have more trusted in faith? Can I say, when we let our feelings of fear and our hurt and our flesh dictate us, listen to me, we will disobey. And here's what's amazing about it we'll make excuses for it and give it a pass. And as I close, I want to just close quickly. I, this compromise, these feelings. David now, the God, man after God's own heart, the one that killed Goliath is now there in the, living with the enemy, disobeying God. But I want you to notice the very end. Y'all ready for this? When you let your feelings, you let your flesh, you let your fear dictate your life, it will drive you crazy. It will make you insane. Now think about it. Here here David, the great man that has slain his ten of thousands, gets scared. And you know what he starts doing? And spitting all over himself. Drooling all over himself. And by the way, I'm not being ugly, but if you've ever been to a nursing home where poor dear precious people can't even control their body, they're, they're spitting all... That's what David's doing on purpose. This is the king of Israel. This is the future king of Israel. This is the man that God chose and said, I don't look upon the outside, I look upon the heart. When David realized he couldn't hide his true identity anymore, fear made him to act like a mad man. Y'all ever, y'all ever made this statement? I know we have. I just don't know what happened. He went crazy. I'm going to tell you what made him crazy. He just didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm going to go out and run my life. I'm going to go out here and sleep with the enemy. I'm going to go over here and lay with the enemy. I'm going to go over here and go to the people that's always been my enemy. I'm going to hunker up with them. I'm going to go over here and disobey God. He don't wake up like that. I'm going to tell you what happens. It happens after uh, letting our feelings of fear and frustration and struggle and our flesh dictate our life instead of trust God. That's it. So, Pastor, why are you so passionate about it? Because all of us can do it and have done it. And God help us that none of us will do it. So you say, what's the cure? 
tell your feelings no and do the right thing. Do right. Be right. Think right. Rely on the promises of God, not on how you feel. Well, Pastor, that wasn't fair. I know it wasn't fair, but don't make it worse. Well, Pastor, I just don't feel like it. I just don't think that's the way it ought to be. It doesn't matter what we feel. God's word is true. His promises are true. And most of the time, if we will just rely on common sense, we will be better off than just letting our feelings dictate what we do. But you take common sense and the word of God, we have a surefire way of not being a gaffe. say, Pastor, why are you so passionate about it? Because I'm going to tell you right now, none of us are exempt. Look at me, including me. God help me. You say, Pastor, you ever feel? All the time. All the time. Have you always felt right? Nope. Have you always thought right? Nope. Have you made mistakes? Absolutely. But God help us to trust the Lord even when we don't feel like it. See, faith don't always make sense. And it's certainly not going to make sense to the world. I'm going to close with this. If you're with people that don't understand your faith and your promises, promises of God, and they don't mind you compromising, you're in the wrong crowd. I'm going to say that one more time. If you're with people that are always trying to make it easier for you to compromise your faith, you're with the wrong people. I can promise you this. If David would have ran to Samuel and said, Samuel, where do you think and what do you think I should do? Do you think I should go to Gath? No, I'm going to promise you what Samuel would have did. He says, no. Because by the way, here in the next chapter, we're going to see that somebody told him to get back to Judah. It's amazing, I've learned sometimes the people that need to be asked are never asked. Because they already know the answer. David went where he knew that he'd be safe. Not just physically, and he thought spiritually. And his plan would have worked until somebody noticed him. But listen to me. When we let our flesh, our feelings, our despair... Dictate our life. It will make us act like a madman. It did David. God help us. Amen. Could you ever imagine someone ever look back and say, wow, what happened to so-and-so? He just went crazy. You know what the saddest thing in all the world to me is going to a church somewhere or even someone coming here and someone say, hey, Pastor, we're so-and-so. Is he not coming to church? No, he's not coming to church anymore. Well, what happened? Well, he got involved in something he shouldn't have got in, and he's out. That's sad, isn't it? God help us. Let's not look down our pharisaical noses. Let's guard our own lives and hearts. Amen. Let's stand our feet. I want you to pray for this camp. I had a lady walk in my office the other day and she said, we want you, <laughs> she handed me money. I said, well, first of all, I don't take money. 
She meant well, and I, I appreciate her heart, but she looked at me and she said, Pastor, I want to give you this money that you can make a difference in, in somebody's life. And I just looked at her straight in the face and I said, I just want you to know something. The greatest thing right now that I could imagine to help somebody before they get in trouble is to help them before they get in trouble. Let's not wait till they get in trouble, then help them. Let's help. I said, so we're having a camp coming up. And I said, we might have a child or two that might not be able to go and they would be able to be paid for it. I said, so for me, I said, I believe that could be one of the greatest things you could do is help a child to get out of trouble before they ever get in trouble. So let's really pray about this camp and the lives of every child. And by the way, when you do it, I'd like for you to think of Stephen Pilkington. With head bowed and eyes closed tonight, this is a message of yes, warning. Because by the way, feelings are normal. Feelings are very natural. But God help us. Not to let them dictate our lives. We must let our faith in the promises and the principles of God dictate our lives. And we're going to see David do that here in a bit. He's going to get up out of this mess. How many of you know God spoke to your heart about something? Would you just be honest, slip up your hand? God help us. You let the Lord deal with you the way He needs to deal with you. There's always an altar here. You come as you want. If not, make your pew a place of prayer, but let's just spend a moment and pray and ask the Lord to help us. They're going to play something softly. I'm going to pray here in a moment. Let's take the time. never expect to go that far. David never expected to go that far. He ended this whole ordeal with humiliation. God help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray you'll take this Apply it to our lives and hearts. Help us now. Lord, if we have failed you, we pray you'll just help us to, to repent, apologize, Lord, and get back up, do the right thing. I'm thankful you're the God of second chances, third chances, infinite chances. You're always ready to forgive and restore. I pray you'll help us. Again, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say it. Amen. Parents, uh, if you have any questions or all of you that are letting your children go to camp, meet with the edgies over here. Also, some of you younger, stronger men could hang around, help Brother Edgy get the gaga ring and the foosball table loaded. That would be great. God bless you. Have a great evening. Good to have you.